Bonjour everyone and welcome back to Casser les Lignes, the French football podcast with the accent. And today we are back at a uh, more usual format. I hope you all enjoyed the draft last week uh, with Baptiste because it was a, an awesome podcast and I saw quite a few of you already have listened to it. So thanks for, um, thanks for the faith and thanks for keeping up with us. Today, match day 21, uh, all 10 games were played, which, which is good. Uh, 26 goals, four red cards. Uh, and the ladder slowly stretching out between the first and the second half. Uh, we're going to see all that. And of course, to talk about today, you know, you, you don't change a team that works. Baptiste from Le Classic is back. Long, long time no see, Baptiste. How yeah. are you? Good. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for having me again. Excited about this weekend's football. So looking forward to talking about it. Yeah, well, great to have you. And, and you know, thank you again for, for last week's episode. It was a, it was a ball. Uh, tell me, what did you what did you watch this weekend in in Liga? What what games um, rhythmed your weekend? Yeah, I watched uh, watched not Nice on Friday, uh, the Friday night game, which was we'll we'll talk about a bit more later on, and then on the Sunday watched uh, Trois Lyon and uh, and a big game at, at the Vélodrome, uh, Marseille Lille. Yeah, the, the game of the weekend to to finish it, and uh, and I think by uh, by stalking you on Twitter, I saw that you watched a game with a uh, a former favorite at Marseille, uh, the the Leeds game with with Bielsa, the coach. Did you watch that Premier League game today? Yeah, I had a busy day of watching football today. And, uh, <laughs> I bet it, Bielsa ball, man. That's what a performance that was. That was fun and and brave from them. It's interesting how he just uh, he just won't let go of his uh, of his Bielsa ball, regardless of the squad that he's in. Because right now, obviously, with the, the injuries and COVID and uh, and players mm-hmm. not available, he's he's playing a fairly uh, experimental squad uh, <laughs> at Leeds, Marcelo yeah. Bielsa. Um, anyway, for for this week, um, we had a few interesting results and and a couple of uh, turnaround situation um, and a very entertaining game to to finish off the weekend. We're going to. Quickly go through a, a few games before we spend a bit more time on the other one. Uh, but you know the drill first. Music. All right, we're going to start not with the first game of the weekend because we're going to talk about it a little bit later with Batis, but with the second game, Saint-Etienne Lens, uh, and the game at Geoffroy Guichard that ended up in a 2-1 win for Les Saints et Or. Uh, Lens was having a, a nice little start of uh, 2022. The goal scorer, Boudabouz, opened the score for Saint-Etienne at the 38th minute, and Sotoka equalized at the 77 before Seiko Fofana scored at the 95th. Minute a 60% possession for Lance, 15 shots, four on target, and for Saint Etienne, 12 shots and four on target. Saint Etienne, of course, um, with a new coach, uh, Dupraz is on the bench with a, a couple of new players. Bernardoni, the former goalkeeper from Angers, was in the starting lineup. Cube as well was in the starting lineup. Uh, you know, without the the African player, Saint Etienne really needs to be a bit creative, uh, and the bench was uh, very very young. Um, they kind of did pay for it at the end with Lance coming back um, thanks to a perfectly weighed ball by Klos, another amazing assist by Klos uh, on Sotoka's equally impressive uh, header. If you haven't seen it, just look at the, the cervical work of Sotoka <laughs> on that header. It's quite quite impressive. Uh, and of course, uh, Lance took the lead at the very end with their hero uh, and my first pick in our draft last yeah. week. Um, Seko Fofana, who scored a, another game winner at the last second. Uh, it really is the man of the season for Lance and he's, uh, he's showing up week in, week out. They're, uh, whatever the circumstances were, they're pretty lucky that he didn't end up going to, to the AFCON and, and that they can count on him for, for the whole month. Um, like I said, it's a good start for, of 2022 for Lance after what was a bit of a, less of a good month in December. They are staying in the European wagon and, uh, for Saint-Etienne though, it's uh, a fourth home loss in a row and they are well down at the bottom of the table. The last seven teams who had 12 points at the start of the competition didn't make it and, and were relegated in, in Ligue 2. Between them and, and Bordeaux that we're going to talk about later, it's, uh, it's one of the two giants of, uh, of Ligue 1 that looks like they're going to be in Ligue 2 next season and it's not something that we wanted to see, but, Maybe that's what they need to, uh, to be able to uh, to come back like the phoenix and to rise from uh, from their ashes. 
Um, next game, Paris Saint-Germain was playing against Brest. Uh, the Paris Saint-Germain scored twice. The goal scorer Mbappé at the 32nd minute and Thilo Kerr at the 53rd. 69% possession for Paris, 20 shots, 9 on target. Six shots for uh, Brest, three on target. A game that could have started the wrong way for Paris uh, with with Brest having the best uh, opportunity to start with. Jeremy Ledouaron stopped by Donnarumma and a beautiful save by Donnarumma who really put his team on the on the right wagon. But after that, it was probably the best football PSG has played since the beginning of the season. I think between Verratti and Di Maria in the middle, we've seen something um, that we wish we'd seen more of, right? But since the beginning of the season, yeah, we talked about it last time when we were doing the draft, right? And when we discussed PSG, it, it, finally a formation that made sense with players. <laughs> I keep banging on about it, but players in, in their position, right? I mean, Vinaldo moved from the right wing to the center of the park, which makes total sense. And uh, and they obviously they brought they brought Di Maria back, which is always a massive plus in terms of just energy and and endeavor and creativity and that relieved the burden on on Mbappe um and interestingly giving care a run into the side as well the right back spot he's got two in two now um <laughs> so no it just all made more sense I think there was a bit from what I gathered there was just a bit more endeavor more urgency to their play against the press side that's been pretty good actually over the last sort of two or three months and they, you know they they kept them quite interesting to see uh, Donnarumma start. Um, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure if it's a permanent change or whether Navas is suspended or, or injured. But uh, that was that was always interesting, and he he delivered. Yeah, he delivered, and and one month away from the big game against Real Madrid, they need to be in in that form, and they need to uh, to show what they can do. We, we've talked about it, and Verratti. In in his real position, a, a deep lying playmaker uh, and the number six did really well. Um, and I guess maybe because it's Brest, they didn't need to have, you know, the 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 backing midfielder like Idris Agey. They didn't need to mm. defend that that much, I guess. So they they did well with Verratti, Vinaldum, and and Herrera. We'll see what he goes against against big teams. You know, we always say that Verratti uh, is is a very talented player. Mm. He just sometimes fails to bring it up against the Real Madrid and the Bayern Munich and the Manchester Cities of the world. But yeah, the 3-5-2 made sense in the second half. It was a real 3-5-2 when Sergio Ramos came in, which was actually his first game uh, at the Parc des Princes. Uh, mm. And Nuno Mendes on the left side really made a lot of difference. And the second goal comes from him and a beautiful dribble right, right by the box. So it, it, it makes sense when they play in the right formation, like we talked about last week. It makes sense when the players are basically trusted and told to do what they do. It makes sense because Neymar and Messi aren't playing, maybe as well, because yes, then maybe. there's less, there's less unbalance um, on, on the squad. But they're both uh, on their way back. Neymar said that he was going to be back early February, so he can be here for for Real Madrid in in full form, uh, which is interesting. Usually in February, he's not in Paris, um, but uh, we'll see, we'll see what that goes. In, in the meantime, it's a good win. They keep obviously their advance up front, and, and for once, we're not saying about Paris. They won at the last minute or they okay. won, but they didn't deserve it. It was a win properly built. They definitely could have scored before and and, uh, and scored more goals after the, the 53rd as well. But that, that 2-0 win will uh, will hopefully put the cogs in place for the team playing at the level that they're supposed to be playing for those four weeks before they face uh, Benzema and Ancelotti and, and a team that's also in form on, on the yeah. other side of the Pyrenees over there in Spain. Yeah. Next game up, uh, less less goals were scored. Lorient against Angers 0-0. Uh, a game that um, started not the best way for Angers. A red card at the 14th minute for Dumbia. Before that, Angers was dominating the game. But at the end of the day, when they were only playing with 10, game, 10 men, excuse me, they just struggled to, to bring it up. Lorient, 14 shots, 4 on target. Angers, 5 shots and not 1 on target. As soon as the, the red card was given, Lorient looked like they could breathe again. And, and finally actually play football, um, dominating the rest of the game, just not being able to actually score. Uh, Petkovic, the, the goalkeeper from Angers, who's been given all trust since Panadoni mm-hmm. was sent to Saint-Etienne, proved that he deserved that trust, at least on that game, uh, made sure that he was here because Lorient had the, the full squad, Lorienté and, Lorient and Mofi were up front. Um, and behind them, Abergel was here as well. So so they are on, on full strength. Um, Pelissier's men, we, we 
we thought we would see better against uh, 10 men, but uh, but it stayed 0-0, the only 0-0 of the, of the weekend in uh, Brittany. Next game, a, a very important win for Metz in Reims 1-0. The goal scorer Ibrahim Anyan at the 61st minute. Um, Reims who dominated the game, 58% possession, 14 shots, 2 on target, but Metz on counter-attack, 17 shots, 5 on target, clearly playing the game that they like to play. Uh, and Ibrahim Anyan, the last season's early surprise, it's called six goals in six games before a severe injury in, in 2021. Uh, he's giving tonight, the, yesterday, sorry, the very important win um, to, to mess so that they can actually get out of the red zone for the first time in a long time. Um, Reims did dominate the game at, at the beginning and, and had the best opportunities. And we know that, um, we know in the Oscar Garcia, they've shown us that now they like to actually play football more than and defend and they can adapt to the team that they play against. So, you know, Mess isn't the most um solid team defensively. Um but but they were able to uh, to sustain that mess and then and then turn that around. Um you know yeah. do you think that Reims should have been scored before or, or Mess deserving that win on that one? What what's your situation on that but just I just never discount an alternative team. I think that's just the lesson, right? I mean they they've had a real tough season. They've um African Cup of Nation is always going to take a lot out of their good players out. And for Ibrahim Anyan, there were a lot of accusations that, you know, he'd become a bit too arrogant and he'd uh, been resting on his laurels, even though he'd come back from that serious injury. Um, but he, you know, he delivered and that's, uh, that's a, ma- that's a massive win. Uh, I think for Reims, interesting to see, obviously no, no Ekitike in, in the starting 11. Um, again, I, I, I don't know whether that's because he's injured or suspended or but if not people, yes, if not people might will be reading into that. Um and obviously they lacked a bit, they were a bit more toothless without him. So I, I wouldn't say there's anything to worry about for us. I think they'll stay up, but for but Mess is dragging them back into it and, and Mess have had a had a big big win. I mean at, last week against Strasbourg I thought they you know they played quite well actually. In the in the first sort of hour or so, and they just looked tired because they had youngsters. So, yeah, a big a big win for them. They look like they're always like an hour into the game, about to just crash uh, because <laughs> of the lack of experience in their squad, and mm. and you can see that Antonetti, you can see the agitation going up onto the onto the bench when as the game goes. Uh, so it's good that they were able to actually keep that score after they after they opened it at the at the 60th because Reims kept pushing and kept pushing, and you know. Mess definitely every single player in that defense, including Okija, who's not here right now. Mm. Uh, they always have a mistake in them, uh, yeah. and you're always you're always thinking that there's no way they're going to keep the score. So hopefully they can build on that. They they desperately need that win, and it is tight at the bottom of the table. We'll we'll see the ladder later on. They need every point they can get if they want mm. to to stay there. But like you said, Antonetti is a coach that has a way with his players, has a way with his teams. And, and never discount it because uh, you know that he's going to be able to re-motivate them to make sure they, uh, they avoid relegation eventually, hopefully, for them. Yeah. Next game up, Monaco against Clermont. And uh, Philippe Clermont is definitely in full speed. Uh, two games in, 4-0 win at home. Uh, Sofiane Job uh, just before halftime and then a, a doublé for Wissam Benyeder and Caio Enrique scoring at the 83rd minute to finish. 53 possession only for Monaco, maybe, but 20 shots, 10 on target uh, for Clermont. Six attempts, only one on target. Uh, as I said, Philippe Clermont's first game at home uh, after that 0-0 last week uh, away. Uh, definitely a different Monaco side, much more attacking, much more direct in the way they're playing football, uh, a little bit less pa- patient that they were maybe under, under Kovac. Uh, and it seemed to work for them. Obviously, it's against Clermont and it's a second mm-hmm. game and I'm exaggerating when I'm saying it's in full speed. But it's a good result to get. Uh, and Philippe Clément said something like, you know, I want my team to be good at everything they do. And if Sofiane Jop is the number 10, it's great. But I want every single player to be able to do that. So he's already, you know, sort of painting the picture and saying what he's expecting from his team, you know, maybe they are in European spots now. Maybe he can bring them back up to, to where they should be in Monaco. Yeah, and he, he, by all accounts, he made some tactical changes at halftime, which completely changed the game. I mean, that, uh, Diop scored just in the additional time of the first half, right? But apparently before that, it was, from what I gathered, it was pretty, 
pretty poor from Monaco, and they weren't really showing much, much in it. Um, and it, obviously, he brought on Wissam Ben Yedder. Obviously, that's going to make a difference when you bring a, on a player like that. But he sort of rejigged the system slightly, and I think brought, um, you know, Voland more on the wing, brought Diop back more as a number ten. And that, I mean, that guy's been an absolute revelation uh, over the last eighteen months. And um, the arrival of Ben Yedder changed changed the game completely. So he's obviously still trying to get to grips with his team because you can be enthusiastic about the fact he changed things at halftime and, and was decisive, but that also means that he might have got that wrong to start. Uh, that's one way of looking at it, but certainly unafraid to make changes and and even unafraid to make tough decisions because it's, it's an intriguing one to not start with Ben Yedder in the first place. And, um, and he, he went for it. So... Yeah, interesting development uh, at Monaco. What's your thought on that, Ben Yedder? I mean, last year, Kovac sort of did the same thing. At one point, he had these, these tricks of game where Ben Yedder was on the bench and coming in and not scoring every time, but maybe scoring every mm. other game that he was coming in. I mean, he finishes with 15 goals. Um, you know, he, is, he, is he the, the new Solskjaer? Is he the, the super sub, the, the guy who's, who's very good when he comes in? Because, you know, he, he comes from the world of futsal, so he's, yeah. he's a very technical player. He's, he's very gifted. He can score basically from anywhere on the pitch and, and very, very quick-fitted, so he can make a difference as well. Uh, is, is that what suits him best? Is he the kind of player that can be as good when he comes in than when he starts? I, I that's a good question. I mean, he's their best striker first and foremost. For me, there, there's there's no doubt. So I just wonder whether his the way they use him is because he's got a lot of mileage in his legs. I mean, he's played a lot of football over over the last you know eight to ten years. Uh, very rarely injured. He's you know long seasons at Sevilla. You know long seasons at Monaco, and you know he hasn't got the the largest build right. So takes a lot of hits from from opposition defenders and he's not the biggest guy so i wonder whether there's a bit of you know uh injury management making sure that he stays fresh and and he stays ready rather than you know run him down by getting him to start every game and and um but certainly when you know when he comes on i mean if you're a defender you've had 45 minutes or, or an hour in your legs and you're seeing Somebody like Ben Yedder, who's very, you know, very smart, technically gifted, is he going to look to embarrass you? You, you know, you're going to tire very quickly. So, I, I, I think it's smart. I think it's smart management, um, and that that means they also have him across the whole season rather than have him injured for a couple of weeks with a niggle here and there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I agree. I think he, he might, maybe the mileage, maybe the fact that he can make the difference. Uh, but I don't mind this having him coming out. And, you know, when, when the, the striker before him is volant, he's going to get you tired as well as a defender. So, uh, they have the weapons to be able to do it. Mm. Um, and I'm sure if it was the other way around, if Benyeda starts and volant starts, the volant finishes, sorry, the defender aren't much happier. So, uh, how, however he does it, I'm sure Philip Clement will find his, uh, his only little recipe for that one. Uh, next game up, uh, surprising maybe, Strasbourg and Montpellier, a 3-1 win for, for Strasbourg. Um, a, a win that seems convincing on paper, but the goals mm. from Strasbourg were all scored in the last 15 minutes. Majid Warid at the 77th, uh, Adrien Thomasson at the 84th, and Kevin Gamero at the 86th. Mollet for Montpellier had started the, the show uh, with a goal at the 11th minute, uh, but the game... I mean, kind of changed when Wahi was sent off at the 66th minute. I mean, by then, Strasbourg was definitely dominating already. They finished the game with with 57% possession, 19 shots, 8 on target. Uh, and Montpellier, with their 9 shots and 5 on target, uh, were ahead and, and were doing the work they were supposed to be doing when you're playing in Strasbourg and when you're ahead after 10 minutes. The red card given to Wahi, a bit harsh. Uh, I mean, it's, it's... I don't know if you call that high studs. It's studs... On parents' way, on parents' leg, it, it's not as harsh as anything we've seen recently in Liga. The red card is branded straight away. The VR is still checked, but the referee doesn't change his mind uh, about it. I think I, I think it's it's a it's a yellow, maybe an orange card, mm. but uh, <laughs> but it, it doesn't feel much like a like a real red card. Uh, turns out Montpellier was defended well until then, and, and don't get me wrong, they were defending after they scored the goal. Mm. 
eventually eventually um, broke and, and uh, without Azure, without Jalo, Strasbourg still found a way to score three uh, with Thomason, the real the real artisan of that win, and Thomason with another um, header to to score. is is uh, not the the biggest player in that team, but it's uh, it's his third header I think uh, in in the past six months. Uh, so he's uh, he's showing that he has a, a few. Um, a few arrows to his bow, uh, like, like we say in French, and uh, he's uh, he's probably one of those underrated number ten. Like uh, the light has been on Romain Fevre from Brest for a bit, mm. but Thomason's definitely organizing that uh, that Strasbourg uh, attack, like we were seeing last week, right? Absolutely, and we we mentioned him last week in our draft. He deserves a lot of credit. It, he plays in a different style to uh, you know to Romain Fevre, for example. I, I like both players. Fevre is more of a traditional number 10 in a way although they like to have him drift off the right hand side whilst Thomason he's just sort of a, an all action little figure in the middle of the park that just makes late runs into the box and he's just a const, constantly frenetic uh, and full of activity so he, uh, he's not the type of guy who's going to unlock your defence with, with an outrageous through ball between two defenders right but he's just so so smart and energetic and you know he's got what 17 games six goals three assists that's pretty it's a good good output um for a team like Strasbourg so I'm, I'm glad he's yeah he's getting the recognition that he's deserved. and he's a key he's a key cog in that side now I think if if he's if he's injured I don't know who plays in that position I don't think they really have anyone to replace him so he's um he's vitally important we know how good Strasbourg has been offensively. Uh, this season, 39 goals. Only only Rennes, of course, and uh, and PSG has scored more goals. Uh, and he's no he's no stranger to that. Um, Adrien Thomasson. Uh, Rennes is the next game, and Rennes who uh, made a mockery out of Bordeaux, uh, 6-0. Bordeaux hadn't lost by that um, kind of result since the 80s when they lost 9-0. I think in like 86 or 85. Uh, the goal scorer Terrier, Bourijo, Laborde, Truffert, and, and two goals from Girassi at the very end. Um, 59% position for Rennes, 19 shots, 11 on target, five shots for Bordeaux, one on target. Uh, Rennes needed a bit of a confident boost, uh, com- coming after the, the Christmas holidays and, and not the great form just before. And Bordeaux was, was maybe just only too happy to help. Uh, that 6-0 win, I mean, paints a story by itself. Bordeaux is, in I don't know word chaos havoc in in the abyss they're just struggling I mean it, it's funny you you look at social media and there's people who, uh, who who did all those threads about Benter era for a club like since the 1990s 2020 or whatever and and there's a whole thread about Bordeaux since the first of January 2022 because so much has happened already in the first mm. 15 days of the year uh, that that they're just they're just finding themselves in a position where where they're a bit of the laughing stock uh, of Ligue 1. They're making decisions that don't seem to be justified. They are banning players like banishing players like Koscielny and Bass and Zertan. And then the day after, Koscielny goes into l'équipe, which is the number one mm. uh, newspaper for football in, in France. And uh, and he's giving a full interview saying, I want to stay in Bordeaux. And I don't know why they're saying that I'm leaving this winter because I'm staying. I'm not going to leave when the team really needs me. Zerkan, who's supposedly being banished because he lied on his COVID test, having to like put a whole explanation on, on social media. I mean, it seems like this club is just struggling inside and out. And it's a club that just been bought four months ago by uh, by Gerard Lopez, the former Lille uh, owner who we know has issues in his other club at Mouscron mm-hmm. because the, the team's players are on strike because they're not being paid. It just seems like a whole lot of mess down there. And, and you know, last week, the loss against Marseille, the first one in 44 years, um, was, I guess, somehow offset by the fans by saying, oh, it's COVID and we didn't have all our team and da da da. But, but this week, a 6-0 win, I mean, a 6-0 loss, excuse me, there's no excuse. And and they, again, it's it's maybe being downplayed, but Ren Bordeaux is one of those historical derby uh, of the Atlantic that Bordeaux really cares about, you know. There's not, there's Rennes, there's those teams that they don't want to lose against. Uh, and, and that was just way too easy for Rennes. It's not the first time Rennes scored six goals as well this season. Uh, they scored against Clermont six uh, in, in the first half of the season. They're actually meeting Clermont next week. Um, so it, it shows also, you know, Bordeaux aside, what Genesio is doing at Rennes and, and that 
killing mentality where, you know, it's 2-0 at halftime, keep going. It's 3-0 at the hour mark, just keep going. It's 4-0, there's four minutes to play. Gerasi, you just came in, just prove me that you can play next time. Just yeah. go ahead and do you. And then he scores two goals in the last three minutes. Uh, Magia with a couple of assists. Lovro <laughs> Magia, the, the Croatian uh, <laughs> midfielder. Uh, it's it's sad for Bordeaux, right? What's happening um, in, in, at the Mid-Atlantic right now? Do we do we see them being lost to Ligue 1 at the end of the season? Yeah, I don't, I don't see that. <laughs> I don't think it's an overreaction to this game to say that they're cooked. <laughs> there's there's um, much, much with the same as, as Saint-Étienne. There's no direction to this club. There's no accountability. And as importantly, there's no talent at this club. Um, I mean, Pekovic, the manager, good. I think good manager, what he has at his disposal are youngsters and some players who just don't have the level and they just don't make a cohesive unit. It's a really sad state of affair. I mean, Gerard Lopez is a crook. We've known that for, for years now. Uh, we know what's happened at Moucron. We know that he um, he took on a lot of debt to purchase Lille in the first place and they were having, they were controlled, you know, the DNCG, the regulator, financial regulator of French football was on their back constantly. They were having to promise to sell every summer to to stay in Liga, you know, and he's taken he's taken over at Bordeaux, and I don't know what his plan is, but surely the priority is to survive in Liga, and if you're not going to invest, you're just with that with the squad that they have, then you're not going to survive. I don't see them surviving. There's there's too much there's too much chaos. I mean, you you can you you know you look at Clermont. Clermont are struggling, right? They don't. They don't have the level, clearly, but there's just this togetherness at the club of yeah, we know what we we know who we are, we know where we are, we know what we're trying to achieve and how we're trying to achieve it, and everybody goes along the same way, right? At Bordeaux, I mean, it, you know, like you've just mentioned, inherent power struggles. Um, what they're doing to Kusielny is frankly laughable. You know, it's Kusielny's uh, not professional. That's why we're getting rid of him. I mean, when ever has that mm-hmm. accusation been leveled at Laurent Koscielny throughout his time? You don't play nine years at Arsenal by being unprofessional. And the reality is they want to get rid of his contract. And um, and apparently in his contract, he has a clause along the lines of if he doesn't, if they try and terminate his contract before the end of its term, he's guaranteed a position in the Bordeaux organization, you know, as part of his retirement, etc. So, you know, clearly the club's not at peace. The club doesn't pull together and I don't see them, I don't see them surviving. Um, and yeah, similarly to Saint-Étienne, Saint-Étienne, Saint-Étienne is more, Saint-Étienne is more the genuine lack of talent, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, although Romeyer, Kayazo, those guys have massive egos and they just haven't pulled together. But, both, but in both cases, it's just supremely sad, man. I mean, I grew up with Bordeaux as, you know, the first French football game I ever watched was with Bordeaux. It had Zidane, Nizarazu, Dugarry in the early 90s. They were always, they won the title in 99. You know, Viltord, Las Landes, um, Miku, Benarbia, all those guys. I mean, they always had good players. They had Laurent Blas, their manager, Johan Gourcuff, you know, all those guys. And with the European history. With the yeah, European history. And to see that club plunge to those depths is is just really sad, frankly. You're, you're, yeah, you're wondering also what it's going to take because it's it looks like it's late in the game. It looks like no decisions are going to make the right way. All those players on loan, you don't know where they come from. Mm. It looks like a, a real mess and, uh, and it's sad for our fellow Bordeaux fans because it is one of those teams that you want to... Uh, to see in Liga, you mm. know, Albert Ellis has been a bit of a of the light in that in that darkness, and and so is Adli when he's keen on playing. So hopefully mm. there'll be enough to to keep Bordeaux there. But man, Adli must be so impatient to go to Italy and for Milan <laughs> when he sees what's happening uh, mm. at Bordeaux now. And he probably he's also conflicted because he has to perform if he wants to be able to play at Milan afterwards. Mm. But uh, uh, anyway, that, that that's Bordeaux. 
uh, who's uh, who's struggling and who lost 6-0 and, and Rennes who's definitely on mm. the, the right way and uh, and that win is helping them also keeping in touch with everyone at the table because uh, almost everyone on the first seven has won now. Nice Nantes, the, the next game, the, um, the runner-up on the table right now. Nice with another win, 2-1 uh, Dolberg, penalty at the 21st minute. Uh, Turam, Turam what a goal at the 56th minute. And uh, in the meantime, Giroto had equalized at the 45th. Nice with 55% possession, 13 shots, 5 on target. And Nantes with 11 shots, uh, 3 on target. Baptiste, we both watched that game. Um, I, I almost want to say, without being without going into the cliche, a very Galtier win, mm, uh, opportunistic, yeah. defensive. Um, but but you know, I feel like uh, Galtier's defense is usually the most solid you've seen. I think it was three quarter theirs because Amavi on the left back definitely isn't ready to mm. start and to play that long yet. I mean, uh, the, the only time that Nantes was dangerous was when Colomani was uh, just just passing by Amavi and Amavi was unable to stop him. What do you think about the the game in in general? I thought it was an entertaining game. Actually, uh, I was surprised because the way not lined up, considering they've got injuries, COVID, etc., as well. They had a few youngsters. That it looked like they were just ready to park the bus, to to quote a famous manager, and uh, and hold out for a nil nil draw. And when, especially when they went one nil down, you feared for them. But they sort of grew into the game, and they were they were ambitious. They had they didn't control the game. I think Nice did that, but they always looked to hit Nice on the break. And Colomani and um, Bukhari were were quite lively. Uh, Quentin Merlin on the left hand side as a left wing back was impressive with his delivery. So they they had a lot more ambition than I thought they would have, and that made that made for a good game. And for Nice. You know, my boy Guiri, he was in my team for a reason. <laughs> but interestingly, I thought they he played a lot more central than I thought he would play, and uh, and that that created a lot more connectivity. I thought um, with Dolberg and everybody felt a little bit more involved, and there was a little bit more risk taking going forward, which was good to see. So all in all, uh, you know, a, a good game, uh, entertaining. The right result, I think, in the end as well, to be honest. And and Nice um, keep marching on and and not keep showing encouraging signs that they're going to stay clear of relegation, which is a massive achievement compared to where they were when Comboire took over last year. But it's not a club that is uh, also all um, all rainbows in the background. They, they have their own issues in the, in in the admin side of it. Um, so yeah, it's good to see how how they perform. I think you know. What I was impressed with with Nice was, um, you know, Lemina is at the AFCON. Um, so technically, mm. he was their muscle in the midfield. But Pablo Rosario really stepped mm. up uh, for that game. I think, you know, I, I always had a bit of a Rosario stock in my uh, in my clipboard ready to get out. I said at the beginning of the season that I thought he was going to be one of the revelations of Liga. Uh, he's been a bit inconsistent. Um, but when he plays well, he, he's very good. And, uh, and next to... Kefren Turam was definitely a little bit more of an offensive midfielder. I mean, more of an eight mm. and a six, I should say. Um, I think they worked well together. And like you say, with Guiri coming more in the central, the, the that connection worked well. I mean, Turam's goal, uh, you know, a 40-meter run, the one-two with Guiri. The Nantes defense, maybe too passive, mm. maybe just surprised that it went just so fast um, through them. We, we've seen some, some good things. And the reason why Nice is also very good defensively is because that midfield, is solid before because Guiri does the effort on the other side. Budawi also um, was mm. making the efforts, even though maybe sometimes some fouls that didn't need to be there. Um, but but it was it was good to see that Nice is just keeping playing the way they're supposed to be playing. And they had a few games where you were wondering where the the you know where the offensive creativity was going creativity excuse me was going to come from. Uh, but if you have in the midfield Rosario and and Chiram putting you onto the right path, then you almost don't have to worry about it, right? Absolutely. They, they have a blueprint. Uh, Galtier always has a blueprint. First half of the season, let's make sure we don't concede much. There was a bit too much of, let's ping it to Amin and let's hope he works things out in the first half of the season. But, you know, fair play to, to him and to Nice. It was, you know, it was working. I was really encouraged by how, I'm, how more ambitious they were because admittedly it's against Nantes, not 
necessarily a heavyweight in in Nigan, but still a dangerous side. And seeing the growth in Thuram's game from the last time I watched Nice, which was against Clermont, which I think was sort of end of November or in December, I can't remember. And he was really sticking to, I'm just patrolling and I'm playing it wide as soon as I can and I'm not going to burst through whether it's with Limina or Rosario. And there, there was a lot more drive to his game, which you know brought brought about a very well taken goal. That was that was encouraging. There was a bit more dynamism, and there was a bit more risk taking. And and to I think to, to finish that game, I was also happy to see Nantes. You know, they score because Benitez makes half a mistake on that free kick by Giotto, yeah. and then and then it's hard for them because they probably run after the ball for a good mm. a good hour. But but then they don't give up, and then the last. 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes, it's definitely there. Nice clearly is going to defend because it's Nice they're going to play in counter-attack. But Nantes really, really put their best foot forward at that moment and just kept pushing, kept pushing, kept pushing. It shows, you know, um, Comboire's intent. And and if it keeps him that way, like we said, the relegation is already out of the question, I reckon. But, you know, maybe he's going to try and, and, and nibble at the conference league spots. There's, a, there's always room for something there. <laughs> yeah, that might... That might be a, a bit too high uh, an achievement, but certainly in you know in Colomani up top, who I know is obviously going at the end of the season, right? If not this winter, mm-hmm. they they have a player who looks interesting, very intriguing player, technically very gifted. He seems to be a bit he seemed to be a bit moody, I have to say, on Friday. There were moments where he he wanted it, and moments where he wasn't exactly giving it everything. But when he when he wanted it, he was impressive and he led the line really well and it was a nuisance. I mean, at one point, Dante just thought, I'm just going to take the booking because <laughs> <laughs> he's just running past me. Um, so there's there's something to look forward to uh, for not. And it was also good to see some youngsters playing it. Playing, I know they've been decimated by injuries much like everyone else, but the USP of that club historically has been its youngsters and should be its youngsters and it hasn't been the case on the Kita for more than a decade now so it's good maybe by necessity but it doesn't matter it's good to see some some youngsters getting some games and like I said you know Merlin was really impressive I found Abdoulaye Sila the, uh, the youngster who gave away the penalty unfortunately had a horrendous first half an hour but but showed some character after that and um and it was it yeah it was good to see more more exciting game by uh and not by the end of the season I am sure mm. next on Troyes against Lyon and Legon winning in Champagne uh, 1-0 the goal scorer Dembélé on penalty at the 33rd minute <laughs> six shots only for Troyes two on target Lyon 19 shots eight on target 63% possession Clearly, Peter Both um, dominating that, that game. It was Bruno Irles' first game on the bench at Troyes. And a few changes on that starting lineup for Troyes. Uh, mm. the, uh, the Manchester City Lonies were on the pitch, <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> which is interesting. Uh, and, and the um, usual captain was, uh, was on the bench, at the, um, mm. Giraudon, the defender from, from Troyes. So Rami had the, had the armband. You've watched that game, of course. Um, you know, the, the penalty seems harsh when, when you look at it, but Lyon didn't steal that win either. I mean, they, they played with fire, they should have been more comfortably uh, ahead uh, before the end of the game. But, uh, but uh, altogether, uh, a deserved win for, for Legon. Yes, yeah. Uh, Trois were poor, frankly. They should, they should, decent football in the first 10 15 minutes. And then there was just no ambition, absolutely no ambition throughout the game. Um, and they were pegged back by Lyon, who's 3-4-3 or 3-4-2-1, I guess, seems to be working decently. There's Dubois and Enrique on the, as wingbacks were a bit tame, but it was, the, it was that trio in midfield of Paqueta, uh, Guimaraes and Cacré who did all the running and all the, all the creating, um, but but it it was a deserved one nil win. It was never a penalty, that's for sure. They would have won it anyway, I think. But 
there wasn't there still wasn't enough oomph to their to their game. You know, I, I think Bus is in a way trying to do what San Paoli's been doing at Marseille, which is to gain control of the game first and foremost and then try and build from there. And I, I think in you know in those three players, especially in Paqueta from a creative standpoint, they've got players that I mean, we've got we've talked about Payet, but they've got players that Marseille don't necessarily have, for example. Um, but but it was it, it it was slow. It was ponderous still. It it wasn't helped by, you know, Dembele not having a, a great game. He's just not looking sharp. I think that's his problem. He needs that run of games and he's not gonna look great until until he gets that run of games. But he's one of those fan Lyon fan scapegoat, right, along with Dubois, who actually hit the mm-hmm. post. So there were some encouraging signs, but they played against a very weak side, and frankly, they should have um, torn quad to pieces if they'd been re added. I, I have to mention as well, I mean, I mentioned the stream midfielder, Castello Lukeba at centre-back on the left-hand side of the back three was very, very impressive. His distribution was beautiful, took risks on the ball. Uh, it, it, it was really... Yeah, it, it was really encouraging to see it on that front. I think he'll at one point he'll have a run of games where he'll struggle because he takes so so many risks on the ball. But still, still good to see. He had ambition when he had the ball, and that was good to see. Early in the season, we were thinking that without denier, Lyon's defense is nothing. And then if he wasn't denier, Jomande had to be here. And now you have mm. Boateng, who's supposedly too old for football, uh, <laughs> with, with Da Silva on his right, who's obviously not, not the first choice uh, <laughs> that you can get but it's good to see look about coming up like this because Lyon very much like other other teams in, in France is, uh, is a club known for uh, getting those uh, those gems out of their um, academy and, and Lukeba is is definitely one of them interesting to see our playing I guess maybe more in the middle with the the, um, the wing left to, to Enrique uh, mm. Maybe more interesting when the changes come, Awar and Dembele Coma and Shakiri and Gusto come in. Um, yes. No, no Cherki coming in. Only two changes made by by Peter Boff. Do, do you think it's a you know two changes when when it's a game that you want to score more goals on and mm. and not using all your all your bench? Do you think he thought he was already in the bag or is that something there? I think he wants to protect his lead, which was a very strange thing to think about, considering how dominant they were. I was no fan of the Shakiri signing. I thought it was a terrible transfer. I don't know why you'd sign a 30-year-old player who's been a bit part player for about four years at a big club, who's going to come on big wages on a long contract, and he's shown nothing in the first six months of the season. And I'm not exactly sure where he was going to play him, frankly, when he when he put him on. So that was that. That was a surprise. I, I know Lyon fans are very loudly calling for Ryan Cherki, who's yes, he's very exciting. I I have my doubts about Cherki. The, the only reason I say that is because if he was really tearing it up at training, he would be starting because of the lack, or he would be coming on much earlier. So every single and, week, yes, and and mm-hmm. and Bush is is a smart manager who prioritizes normally attacking football. So the fact he doesn't necessarily trust him surprises me a little and, and makes me question how, how good he is. There's also the element of he's 18. He's not your savior. He's not a messiah. Just like Asmoon, who apparently every Lyon fan wants to sign, despite no one in Europe actually genuinely trying to sign him, although apparently Juventus are now on him, um, is not, is not going to be your savior if he doesn't fit in your system. Right, and so Shakiri, I, I don't know what he was coming on, what system he was gonna play in that was gonna make him look good, and then Dembele coming off and and Malo Gusto coming in was highly, highly surprising. So obviously, Gusto trained as a centre midfielder, has been converted as a right wing back, S- similar to Shakiri, does because Dubois is a scapegoat. Everybody wants to get rid of Dubois, but Gusto, I have to say, when I've seen him play, he's been 
he was very, very poor against Bordeaux, and he's been a young 18-year-old wing-back who looks good going forward and has a lot to learn. So some su- surprising surprising changes. I think Bosch isn't making a lot of friends at Lyon, and that's interesting considering Olas has publicly undermined him during the week. So I don't know whether he had that in mind in terms of, let me just get a result. One nil is three points after a good performance at, at PSG and showing that my system works, what more can I do? That, that was maybe it. Yeah, and the opponents were there. And, and you know, Galon has a good game for, for Trois. So he, mm. he stops them. And, and what, I think it's Dubois hit the post in, in the first half. Yeah. So so maybe that's what it is. You know, it, it, another day, maybe it's a 3-0 win. Uh, mm. I guess I'm just surprised that as long as you don't have this 3-0 win, just keep, keep pushing because the best yeah. way to stop a team like Troyes, you know, you're not talking about Lille or Rennes or Marseille who has firepower. Thinking mm. about Troyes, a team like Troyes, if you give them space and confidence, they're the kind of, you know, uh, game that can can escape from you in the last second. Whether if you keep pushing, there's nothing they can do because they already struggle to defend. So they're not even going to think about attacking. Um, yeah. So it is, I, I think that's the surprising move for me as far as as both goes. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a win. It's three points and, and Lyon desperately needed um, to, to get three points because everybody else is getting them. And uh, and already they've lost so much points this season that they need to make sure that they that they keep them. I mean, they're still in the second half of the table, which is mm. not what you expect from uh, from Ligon at this stage in the competition. Last game of the weekend, Baptiste Marseille against Lille, who uh, finished that finished probably about an, an hour and a half ago now. Uh, 1-1, uh, the goal scorer Botman for Lille at the 15th minute and uh, Under for Marseille at the 75th minute. A red card for Benjamin André uh, early on at the, at the half-hour mark. And um, Marseille with 78% possession, 22 shots, 6 on target, and Lille with 5 shots, 4 on target. When the game starts straight away, you know it's going to be entertaining. Straight away, it looks like it's going to be blow blow for blow and and that yeah. it's going to be hard for Marseille to be honest early on to, to be able to resist because Lille is so dangerous whether it's in counter attack when they actually build Renato Sanchez looked in form mm. but then the red card comes and, and does change the game because Marseille loves nothing more than having the ball and being in control and against a, a 10 man team um it's easier and and they'll they'll take a full advantage of it quickly about the red card it's it's dumb <laughs> Or by Benjamin Andre, right? The first yellow card might be a bit severe, but you have a, a yellow card and you're right at your edge of the box and you have first Payet, then Gendouzi in front of you mm. and you just launch your legs like this. You know, A, that they're the two players that are going to make sure that they see where <laughs> your leg lands. Yeah. They're going to provoke the foul. Also, they're going to scream like no one to make sure that you can get something. It, it is for a 31-year-old midfielder mm. who should be you know a bit of the soul of Lille it's a it's a dumb red card to get and a dangerous one that could have cost his team the three points he lost his head clearly because they were in such quick successions those succession those bookings that I have to say that ref I mean I, I don't like pointing at referees but he set the tone very early on and it just wasn't the right tone in a way. He booked Ganduzi for descent in the second minute. <laughs> but I don't think I'd ever seen that. And it wasn't even vehement in your face shouting at the ref sort of descent. It was it was Ganduzi, right? I mean he always there's always <laughs> descent. But in the second minute he did that. And I think he sort of equalized for Lille when he booked Andre the first time around, which was a nothing booking. I mean, again, he's just sort of complained that he felt a foul should have been given uh, against Marseille. He was a bit, he was gesticulating a little bit, and and he got booked, and that was that was a little bit surreal in that first half. But like you said, when you're an experienced midfielder and the mainstay of your side on a booking in an exposed position what you're going to need to make sure of is that you can last the 90 minutes and three three or four minutes later he was gone that was that was really disappointing and that that set the tone for the game i mean Lille were one nil up they were very comfortable one nil up they were looking to hit 
Marseille on the break. It was sort of perfectly poised in a way because Marseille were going into the game. The red card just not didn't kill the game at all because it was still a very entertaining match. But it it showed the worst of Marseille in a way <laughs> because they because their patient build up playing the ball around the defense etc looked worse when you were well aware that they were one man up i think that that's it would have been very more excusable in a way that approach if been 11 v 11 but with one more player they really they really showed no no ambition and it was just left to right pass across it, the face of the defense and it was disappointing for Marseille. They obviously got a good goal back, but that came through a, a lapsing con- concentration from Lille more than anything. Although the finish was was wonderful from Under, who 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 was lively actually, Cenk uh-huh. Under throughout the game. But a, but the same questions remain around Marseille: is where where's the ambition going forward, and where's the urgency as well? That they were walking around for for most of the second half when you're at home against a direct rival for European competition, one nil down, one man up, surely you should be you should be pressing. And he didn't really change his system. He didn't really change the players. It was Yeah, it felt a bit I don't I don't quite know how to describe it. It just felt he was happy with the way it was proceeding and you shouldn't have been when you were one nil down. <laughs> It's like he was Fozio up against uh, against a nine man team, and he was just dominating and waiting for yeah. just the just the game to happen. Because you know the the six shots on target that Marseille had, I, I want to say that four of them are in the last minute in that in that very last opportunity where uh, where Garbage did a couple of good saves. Yes, it it's it's just like you say that lack of urgency for Marseille, where it looked like whenever they provoked, and it was mainly Under who was provoking one on one. Um, Lil could easily be put off balance, and and at the beginning, all those yellow cards coming up, which is clearly uh, Amori Delori also tripping himself into having to give yellow cards because of how he started the yeah. game. Uh, but they all came when Marseille started to try and and you know dribble past the players and and make the difference one v one, so that then they can be a player ahead when they get to the final third. And, and Lil, some most of the time, didn't know how to respond to that. Renildo, Celik, they all got booked because. They didn't know how to respond to how provocative Marseille player can be. And then you play against 10 men mm. and then you stop provoking. You just pass the ball around. I mean, at, at this stage, it's okay if you lose the ball, if you're trying to dribble the player because you're not anyway doing anything by keeping the ball. And, and I thought when Amin Harit came in, he was going to bring a bit more of that, but, but he didn't. Milik, unfortunately, has only a chance and a half and he's, and he's not doing it. And a few cross come in, but they never really aimed at him, like I think mm. I only saw one pass who was clearly for Milik, and it was I think Lirola trying to swerve the ball in, but the ball was um, deflected early on. You have a flurry of set pieces, and you're not taking advantage of them either. Uh, you're trying the old uh, the ball at the edge of the box, and and Unders volley goes all the way to the Vieux-Port. It was it was just uh, it was just again what what we keep saying about Marseille, right? It's as soon as it was 1-0 down, little goal, I told the, the people down there, Sport Marseille, I was like, oh, that's that's how it is. Um, mm. we, we might be losing 3-0 by the end by just being taken in counter-attack. And then the red card comes in. And I was like, oh, never mind. We're just going to be holding a siege mm. and just not score. Uh, and, that's, and that's what they do so well. Bakambu is coming in, Serik Bakambu. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's the difference. <laughs> I, I, I'm, not, I'm not making any predictions because last time we talked, I said Coutinho was not going to be a success, and he's he obviously had a massive impact. One game, one goal. One game, <laughs> yeah, but that's that's the first game. We'll see how that goes. I'm still confident. Um, but no, I I think it showcased the game showcased Sampaoli's tactical inflexibility. That's the accusation that can be thrown at him. Lille came with a plan. And in the first half, 11 v 11, that was working an absolute treat, which was let's target the space between uh, Chaletassa and Luan Perez because the Croatian defender isn't the fastest. Luan Perez is pushing up quite a bit and they were in loads of trouble. I mean, Bubakar Kamara was, you know, running his legs off in the first, in the first half 
only. Um, and then, and then when Andre got his red card again, nothing, nothing changed. And I think where it started to liven up a bit was when Under switched from the right wing to the left wing, and actually that stretched the play because otherwise they were playing playing with inverted wingers on both sides, and everybody every time obviously sort of cutting back inside into the edge of the area. And and for Lille, that was just a godsend. They were just their two banks of four. Fine, we're just gonna make sure that nothing goes through the center. That's all we want. We don't want to be stretched. We don't want you to take on a Renildo or Celic. I think Celic had a decent game. Renildo was just a red card waiting to happen. And and it's disappointing that Sam Pauli didn't change things. I mean, you've also got to question sometimes the players slightly because. Like I said, Renildo on the left-hand side was under the cosh from minute one and was taking his risk-taking as a left-back in terms of his tackling and his positioning was really, really high, let's put it that way. And yet, when were people running at him? When were people isolating him? When was that also done? That wasn't also done for, for Sadiq on the right-hand side. So smart players not making... not not wanting to move out of the system or to create something outside of the, of, of the plan. I don't know what that, what that says about the structure at Marseille. I don't know whether it says anything or whether they were just not in great form. That can also happen. But it, it, it showcased tactical inflexibility, which is, again, is slightly disappointing when you consider Sampaoli was fated as, you know, this... Yelsa Bull disciple sort of you know manager who wants to play exciting football, etc. And in a way, at one nil down at home, despite controlling the ball, he seemed more scared of conceding a second than actually going going for a win. I don't know whether the fact there were only five thousand people in the stadium had an impact. I mean, I could imagine that a red card in the thirty first fourth minute at home. Against Lille would would have Belodrome would have erupted, but it was very tame. And again, just lacking any sort of ambition and bravery on the ball in the final third. So many times the ball also happened to like travel right at the twenty meter, and not one player is trying to take his shot. I mean, I know there's a lot of legs in the middle of the box, but that's the point, right? Sometimes they're just going to be deflected and mm-hmm. go in. I think Rongier is the only one who actually take, took his chance. Uh, from that 25 meter mark, when he was given the ball, like clearly for a shot, it looks like it was written a year before the the shot actually happened. Yes, <laughs> it, it is. It is. Yeah, very very stereotypical the way Marseille plays, and uh, and they have to change that. Lille, Lille, I think is yeah. getting m- more and more convincing. Um, you know, before Andre gets his red card, I feel like there's no way Marseille will be able to use the middle of the park. Renato Sanchez. Is in form. Whenever he takes the ball, he has one thing and one thing in mind is he's going forward. He gets substituted at the 92nd minute and he complains that he gets substituted. And I think he had some words with the fans as well in the meantime. Yeah. Uh, so, so he's the kind of people that you want, the kind of player you want in your team, you know, brings a bit of, of spirit to, to your team. Uh, Burak seems to slowly getting back to where we want him to be, mm. at least in the impact he has in the game. Uh, Jonathan David maybe was a bit on the timid side today, but it's it's mm. always hard when there's only 10 players. I feel like playing at 11, it would have been a bit different. Mm. It, it looks like they they are on the on the do on the right path, I'd say, I guess, Gorovenek and, and his players, and that if they do play that way, not only against the good teams, but every single team, uh, they'll finally also just very much like Lyon come back to where they're supposed to be in, in European um, contests. It looks that way. Yes, I think Govinek made the right decision some weeks ago of let's just go back to what my predecessor did. <laughs> but what a, and in a way that, I mean... Did he ever stop doing that? <laughs> but, you know, we can laugh about it in a way that also means he looked at his players, looked at the system and realized that they are so comfortable playing that way that why, why change a winning formula, right? And that's, that's what Lille looked like today. They looked like Lille of last year in a sense of two bank you know two banks of four Burak and David up top players who know their role players who know their limitations a, a clear way of playing football that's what we were seeing until the red cards and even even after that 
you know, you knew that Onana is going to hold the fort and Renato is going to break the lines and you're looking for a bit more from Bamba, etc. But he wasn't necessarily providing it in difficult circumstances. So, and, and that and that defensive solidity was back. I mean, obviously a lot of talk about Sven Botman, who was ahead and above uh, anyone else. Um, you know, he made Milik. I mean, Milik's coming back into form, right? He's trying to round up into shape, but he seemed like a man against a boy a little bit physically, mm-hmm. Botman. And I can't speak highly enough of Jose Font. I mean, the guy's 38 and he was loving every single moment of this game <laughs> and was always in the right place, always doing the right thing, considering that both their fullbacks were slight liabilities, I think. Botman and and Font came out with a lot of credit. It'll be it'll be interesting to see if they can keep that all season, which to be honest, I don't doubt. Um, mm. And uh, and well, you know they have their game in hand to play this uh, this week as well. So they're also starting a little bit early. They're uh, um, they have one game every three days that is going to be a bit of their a bit of their life in the next um, couple of months. One uh, one was the was the final score, and on the table it means that Marseille uh, dropped a couple of points um, to, to Nice. Let's have a look at that table now. Paris Saint Germain, of course, is up front uh, with fifty points, eleven points ahead of Nice. Uh, Marseille third is two points behind Nice and has a game in hand against Lyon. Uh, and then behind, it's it's already a, a three point gap with Rennes, uh, and then there's Monaco, Lens, Strasbourg, and Montpellier, um, all in two points. Uh, Lille and Lyon are only at 29, 28 points um, in the middle of the table. At the bottom, Saint-Etienne with 12 points, um, five points behind Bordeaux, uh, behind Bordeaux, Lorient, and Troyes, uh, to be fair. Uh, and already those uh, yeah, those gaps creating themselves in uh, on the table that uh, that is going to take a, a bit of a series for those teams to be able to, uh, to fill. The, the few games being played in the next uh, week or so, uh, so we're, we're getting back to all those games that were in hand. Clermont and Strasbourg are playing on uh, on Wednesday night. Um, so are Lille and Lorient and Montpellier and Troyes. Uh, that's for the, the midweek action in Liga. And then uh, next week, we'll start the weekend with a, a derby, a derby of... Uh, Derby of the fear, I want to say, between Lyon and Saint-Etienne. Mm. Uh, a lot of good games next weekend. Lyon-Saint-Etienne, Brest-Lille, Lens-Marseille, Metz-Nice, Clermont-Rennes, Nantes-Lorient, uh, then Angers-Trois, Bordeaux-Strasbourg, Montpellier-Monaco, and we'll finish with Paris-Reims. I mean, Lyon-Saint-Etienne, Brest-Lille, Lens-Marseille, Montpellier-Monaco. It's going to be quite, quite the action in Ligue 1 next week. Yeah, very tasty. Like you said, Derby of the fear. Between Lyon and Saint Etienne, that's going to be quite something. Shame that there isn't going to be the public there mm-hmm. because it would be very, very tense. But it's going to be interesting to see how both of those teams play, especially as the Dupraz seems to have favored of 3 5 2 as well or 3 4 3. So mirroring each other. And, uh, and Lyon needs, I mean, both sides really need to get on it now. I mean, you're, you're only six points behind Rennes, so with a game in hand, they're not that far away. But they really need to show something because it's not just the poor results, it's the poor football that's disappointing fans. And then for Saint-Etienne, I mean, every week is last chance saloon, isn't it? They're just 12 points. You, you know, Dupra is going to bring the big guns for games against Lyon, right? He's going to... <laughs> Give the whole, uh, the whole, are you a man or are you not a man kind of speech in, in the locker yeah. room. It's going to be feisty, that's for sure. Hopefully they um, can stay uh, with uh, with 11 players on the pitch. Uh, <laughs> that, that'll definitely help them live there. Um, quick look at the the player statistic, the goal-scoring ladder. Jonathan David up front with 12 goals. Gusan Benyeria with his brace, uh, meeting him at the top 12 goals as well. And then we have Laborde, Mbappé, Ajok and Martin Terrier all with 10 goals each. Ren, Ren very impressive offensively, of course. In the assist ladder, Jonathan Kloss with uh, with that new assist of the weekend is up front with nine assists, followed by Payet and Mbappé. Um, again, you know, we, we know the season that he's having. Uh, he's, it looks like he's just ready to have the best season of the of the year. And when I was watching the, the games this weekend and I saw Fofana's goal at the 95th minute, 
I was like, you know what? It's a blessing for Ligue 1 that Fofana is that good because I think Mbappe, who's so competitive that he would, mm-hmm. you know, do whatever he can to beat his grandmother at checkers on a Sunday. <laughs> Seeing Fofana being so good, he's probably thinking, there's no way I'm missing out on potentially my last Ligue 1 player of the year trophy. I'm mm-hmm. going to keep going and keep going and bring my team, obviously, to the title. Uh, but also, me personally, make sure that I leave Ligue 1 on that note where I want to be the best player that this, this league has ever seen. Yeah. It's all, a, it's all positive competition for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just thank you so much for uh, coming on for that uh, podcast, the, the, the second in, in two weeks, and I'm looking forward to, to many more. Uh, I hear that there has been some advance in, uh, in Le Classic pod. You and, and Tom have recorded a couple. Yeah, we've gone into the top 20. So there's two episodes should be coming out soon. 20 to 16, 15 to 11, and then we'll attack the top 10, which is exciting. Yeah, some great players there. Some great players. I know, I know it's somewhere in your uh, in your ranking, but uh, Luisa uh, gave a, a good interview to uh, to Zach Lawi uh, of uh, Breaking the Lines. I think it was mm. a while back when we were in Lisbon, but, but listening to it and listening to his take on uh, his very mild take, I thought, mm. on why there's so much talent coming from Paris where he was just like, oh, he said basically very mildly as because if you're not good at football, everyone's going to bully you. But he said it in a way where he was like, oh, you know, there's just a bit of competitivity. And when you play in the streets of Paris, you just want to be better than the other person. Like he was very mild about it. But yeah, we know how how the streets uh, actually work when you play football. Uh, but it was a very interesting interview. If you if you want to uh, give it a shot, go check Breaking, Breaking the Lines and, uh, and Zach has uh, some good interviews always every week being published over there. But just thank you again. Uh, look forward to doing another episode with you uh, very soon. Uh, we look forward to the action in Ligue 1 uh, this week for everyone following. Uh, as usual, don't hesitate to, uh, to interact, ask questions, uh, and uh, we will see you again next week for the next pod of Casse les Lignes. Thank you very much, everyone. Bye-bye. Au revoir. Bye.